Welcome to After the Fact, a Knowing Faith mini episode where we look to take a big question and address it in just a few minutes. Our After the Fact episodes this season are brought to you by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you haven't had a chance to find out if seminary is right for you, you should hop over to sbts.edu slash explore, where Southern has designed a really helpful tool to help you think through this question. We are discussing Romans on Knowing Faith this season, and joining us today is Dr. Herschel York. Dr. York is the Dean of the School of Theology and the Victor and Louise Lester Professor of Christian Preaching at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He serves as the Senior Pastor of Buck Run Baptist Church and is the author of the recently released 40 Days in 1 Corinthians. Dr. York, welcome to After the Fact. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks. It's my joy to be with you. A returning guest. We love it. We love it. Well, here's our big question for today. Why study 1 Corinthians? I mean, a lot of books in the Bible, knowing faith's going through Romans right now, but if a listener's like, okay, after Romans, what, what am I going to jump into next? And why should they seriously consider spending some substantive time in 1 Corinthians? Well, frankly, there you know, there's stuff in 1 Corinthians that is not explicitly anywhere else as it is in 1 Corinthians. It's a really unique book. Uh, first of all, it's one of Paul's most emotional books. You know, the church at Corinth is sort of Paul's problem child. Hmm. And uh, the Holy Spirit saw fit to include two of his letters to the church at Corinth in our canon. But we know from those two letters that he wrote at least two others. So that that's remarkable in and of itself that Paul wrote at least four letters to the church at Corinth uh, because they had a lot of problems. The other thing is the way you get a good concept of how Paul sees the gospel as touching so many areas of life. You know, in chapter 2 and verse 2 of 1 Corinthians, he says, when he came to them, he determined not to know anything among them except Christ and them crucified. And then he launches into one of the most wide-ranging discussions in all of the, the, the scripture. I mean, yeah, he says he's not going to know anything but Christ and him crucified. <clears throat> and then he talks about sexuality and gender roles and vegetarianism <laughs> and divorce and remarriage and celibacy and speaking in tongues and prophecy right. and baptism <laughs> and the Lord's Supper and the resurrection, what the glorified body will be like. Now, that is just remarkable. And so I would tell anybody to study First Corinthians because you're going to see the way the gospel influences the way we think about so many issues particularly in our ecclesiology, but also the most personal aspects of life, you know, your sexuality, your marriage, uh, celibacy, all those things come up in 1 Corinthians. So it's that 1 Corinthians is giving unique gospel angles on a range of very pertinent topics to ordinary live life. Is that fair? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, if you want to know, for instance, uh, what, what does it mean to have a biblical divorce. I mean, you hear that phrase mm -hmm. thrown around. Uh, you know, there are these exception clauses in the, the Bible. Jesus gives one when he talks about, uh, uh, it, except for adultery, says, you know, that uh, a husband and wife should be together for life. Paul tells us also in 1 Corinthians that uh, abandonment, and he talks about the unique case of when uh, a believer and an unbeliever are married. And uh, should a widow remarry? I mean, th those are very personal questions, that, and they're really down-to-earth life questions, and you need to understand them. Also, you know, it's in the book of 1 Corinthians that you find out why uh, the Bible limits 
the different roles of men and women. It's where mm-hmm. we get a view of what, well, what, what is the function of the man in the home or in the church and the woman in the home in the church? Uh, and there's all the discussion about the gifts speaking in tongues is not discussed anywhere else in the new Testament. Like it is in the book of first Corinthians. In fact, it's really only in the book of acts historically, but then it's discussed and the rules associated with it in the book of first Corinthians. Uh, so, you know, whether you're talking about the gifts and their exercise in the church prophecy, or whether you're talking about the most personal issues of life, uh, what, how should you live in a bad marriage? You're going to find it in First Corinthians. It's uh, it, it it is uh, as deep and yet as wide a book as you can find in all of the New Testament. Let me uh, let me put you on the spot and ask you this question. You're a preacher who loves preaching. You got it right. And you spent some time in First Corinthians. If you were if 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 I had to say, Doctor York, I'm sorry, I've come down with the flu. I can't preach this Sunday. I need you to preach for me. And you said, I'll be there. And I said, well, we're in, uh, you can preach anything from first Corinthians and you didn't know anything about the church you were going to. You just said, I, I just said, it can be anything in first Corinthians and you go for it. What are you preaching? What's my dad? Who's a pastor called them his sugar stick sermons. What's, what's your, what's your go-to sermon out of first Corinthians? The passage where you'd be like, that's, if I could just preach one sermon out of first Corinthians, that's the passage I'm preaching. Well, it would be first Corinthians 13. Okay. You know, you, you hear it at weddings, right? You know, read at weddings, but it's about so much more than the kind of love we have in weddings. The description of love in First Corinthians 13 is absolutely one of the most beautiful passages in all the Bible. It's also, I think, the perfect description of Jesus, that hmm. Jesus is all of these things. He's the perfect embodiment of love. And the priority that Paul gives it, you know, when we have problems in the home, in the church, uh, how does Paul Paul resolve it? He resolves mm-hmm. it with love. He, yeah. These other things that we're arguing about will pass away, but love endures forever. You know, these gifts that God has given to the church will not be needed in eternity, but love will always be needed throughout yeah. eternity. We're going to experience love when we don't need prophecy, when we don't even need hope, because our hope will have been realized. We need love. And the way Paul defines it, the way he applies it, is absolutely the most beautiful. But I've got to say, I, I think you that's a cherry pick answer uh, <laughs> that, because 1 Corinthians 13 is so well known. If I were going to go somewhere else, it'd be 1 Corinthians 15, his discussion of the resurrection. Mm. And particularly, I like to preach on the three stages of the resurrection. One of the most remarkable things in 1 Corinthians 15 is that Paul teaches us that the resurrection has already begun. It's not merely something we look forward to. It's a historical fact. It has already begun because he tells us there there are three stages of the resurrection. And the first stage was that Christ was raised from the dead. And our resurrection is connected to his resurrection because Christ is the first fruits of them that slept. He's, he, when he rose from the dead, he began the resurrection. And Paul says, if he rose then we have to rise. Some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead, but he said, to say that, you've got to say that not even Jesus is raised from the dead. And so the way he connects our resurrection to Jesus makes it uh, this indissoluble link that my resurrection is absolutely certain 
because Jesus is raised. And then, of course, the third stage of the resurrection is what we know from the book of Revelation. Uh, at, at the end of the millennial reign, whatever you think that is, there's the, the resurrection of the unjust. As he, as he says in First Corinthians 15, then comes the end. So uh, to get a grasp on that, the historical reality of our hope that we're not merely looking to the future for what might happen to us. We look at what Christ has done in history as the as the absolute assurance that we're going to be mm. raised from the dead. That's good. Well, Dr. York, thank you for joining us. I'm glad to have you on again. Thank you. Well, it's a delight to be with you, Kyle. Lord bless you. After the Fact is brought to you by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you want to study with incredible professors like Dr. York, head over to sbts.edu. Discover why Southern Seminary is trusted for truth.